you want to learn more or test your knowledge on the UMDR, so participate to the Green Belt Certification Program. Go to school.easymedicaldevice.com to see when is the next session. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. I am Munir Lazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standard today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Lazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com. And today we are doing the July review. So what happened during the month of July? And we start with the agenda. So first, there is some news from the UK MHRA related to some certificate of compliance. So this is something that uh, is interesting and we'll talk about that. The other point is about the conformity assessment for protective uh, personal protective equipment that the EU Commission issued. Uh, then the state of the play for the EUMDR again and we'll talk about uh, the Green Belt certification. Then we'll go through the review of notified bodies and the review also of the different standards and guidance that were issued by the EU Commission. And finally, we'll go uh, to look at what happened at Easy Medical Device. Okay, so today in the hot topic, we'll review about the UK MHRA that issued an information related to certificate of compliance or attestation of conformity. This is something that apparently some certification agencies are providing for some class one devices uh, and to confirm that they reviewed the technical file and everything was okay. So the UK MHRA is just warning that this has no valid, um, valid um, this has no validity at all. This is a document that um, is just meant to be made, but has no proof that everything is correct because uh, the certification body that is issuing that is not really qualified for uh, the UMDR, for example, it's not a notified body. And more importantly, it's not needed at all because a class one device is self-certified. So you just need to issue a declaration of conformity, it's a self-assessment to say that your product is correct. So why are you struggling yourself by paying another organization to uh, provide you a certificate of compliance when it's not needed? Um, maybe it's because yeah, you have some uh, thinking that uh, this will show a, a better, if I can say, compliance of your product, but it's not needed at all. So why are you struggling yourself? But it's a great warning because uh, UK MHA uh, mentioned that for the UK, but also mentioned that the CE is not requesting that at all, which is also a, a great point. Um, next on our, um, on our um, agenda, we have the conformity assessment for personal protective equipment. So the EU Commission, again, uh, is um, issuing information about how you can put on the market some personal protective equipment like face masks, uh, like gloves, uh, like all those things that are um, needed during the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. And uh, it's interesting because, yeah, it's answering a lot of the questions that maybe uh, people are asking about maybe documentation that you need to provide. Also interesting about what type of material should be used for each of those devices. And the answer is there is no specific type as soon as it's um, uh, showing performance, as soon as it's uh, fulfilling all the tests, then it should be fine. Even the tests, they are telling many on, the, on this document that there is no specific test. There is some standards that people should follow. I mean, should not 
should can follow, but they can also uh, organize different tests if they want to uh, to prove that. So um, it looks like yeah, there, there is a lot of answers on this document. So if you are a manufacturer of uh, personal protective equipment, then uh, you should go and look at that. If you are not well, uh, if you don't really understand all about the regulation, which will be uh, then a great summary for for you. So all those information will be on the show notes um, of uh, of this uh, this episode. So don't don't forget to go there. The next topic is about state of the play for the UMDR. So this is the document that uh, is issued um, by the EU Commission to define or to show what is the status for all the actions that they have to do for UMDR. Um, so we were talking about that in the previous show. So I'm, I'm trying to, to provide you more updates on this one. So um, the last update of the state of uh, play uh, mentioned that the UDAMED uh, module for uh, actor uh, registration will be available by December 2020. So we're not expecting that so early, but it will be available by December 2020. And you will be also able to receive your SRN number by registering there. So uh, it's important things. Um, I'm really advising you to uh, do it immediately as soon as it's uh, available because I, I suppose some of the manufacturers will wait until uh, the full EU MDR will be in place before to enter information there but it's really um, the wrong strategy because at this moment everybody will be uh, trying to go there um, EU MDR but also IVDR because IVDR will be in place by May 2022 uh, so it's also something that uh, you will see a lot of uh, a lot of traffic if I can say on the internet for that so better to go now better to register now so that you have your SRN number and everything will be uh, will be fine for you the other topic is also about the expert panel. So um, on the agenda, on the on the state of plates, mentioning that the expert panel was selected and they will be appointed by end of July. So now, and the website uh, is already done, and the panel will be available by end of this year. So quarter four, twenty twenty. Uh, so this is um, uh, some something that we discussed already on a previous podcast with uh, Basilakra. So remember what he was saying about expert panels it's i'm i would not name it it's a help i would name it it's a, it's an increased scrutiny on notified bodies uh, which is not adding value because i remember when i was discussing with uh, the working group who was preparing the expert panel set up for uh, for the european commission and i asked one question i said uh, notified bodies are required to have higher expertise uh, on their side. Now, you, you want to create expert panel with also high expertise. And the focus is on the clinical. So the focus of the review is the clinical consultation. So notified bodies will need to provide the clinical evaluation uh, report of the manufacturer and their own assessment report to the expert panel. If there is, uh, it's not for legacy devices, it's much more for a new devices getting to the market. And the question is, if I have a heart surgeon looking to a, a, a cardiovascular device and my heart surgeon will say, uh, yes, it is fine. Why would the expert panel uh, be much more clever than my experts? And what will happen if both of them are in disagreement? Today, if you go to a medical doctor and you have a disease, you have pain, you go to the first one, he will tell you, you need an implantation. You go to the next one, he will tell you, you are healthy, stop making fake uh, pain. You go to the third one, he will tell you, you will die next week. And uh, this is, this is um, you ask 10 experts, you get 20 opinions. Um, and at the end, um, I think it's not adding value. Uh, 
but it is giving the European Commission and the member state a level of safety that they have much more oversight about notified body approval process. And hopefully they can make use of this for a better system from creation of guidance which are specific to help all of us to say how much is enough. For example, if I have a new technology coming to the market, that uh, out of their learning, they make a publication to say, uh, look, for this device, this is the minimum expectation that we need, because this would help industry to know, if I have such a device, I need 100 patients, I need follow-up of two years. Okay. Uh, I'm a member of the ISO committee uh, for heart valves and cardiovascular implants uh, since many years. And this is the only standard where we were always very specific. And it's very easy for notified bodies as well to deal in this uh, field. Why? And also for all regulators, because it's very specific. It's saying how many patients you need, how many institutions do you need, how many, uh, um, uh, uh, what's the duration of the follow-up. Why can't we do things like that for uh, the variety of devices? This would make the life of everyone much easier. Okay, so uh, now that we talked about expert panels, let's go through the last topic, which is standardization. I think you've seen my episode with the telenovela for standardization on, on uh, regarding the EU Commission when they rejected uh, the mandate. Uh, now they were the EU Commission, so uh, will issue a new procedure by uh, quarter first quarter 2021, and then um, the CNS and should maybe revote on that or uh, reapprove that or not. So uh, we will have more information about that by beginning of, of next year. But for now, yeah, the question is still uh, for manufacturers: should they use the last version of a standard as the state of the art or not? And there is no consensus for now on, on this from notified bodies or from uh, from the EU Commission. So we'll know more on a future episode, I hope. Okay, so uh, last week we had uh, the end of the Green Belt Certification Program second edition. So it was really a success. We had a lot of uh, students. Uh, some students passed it and received the certificate. Some students didn't uh, because, yeah, it's really, uh, I think really it's a challenging uh, challenging uh, certificate. It's not just something that you will go uh, learn and, and pass it easily. So um, this next edition will be arriving uh, end of August, so the 24th of August until the 20, what is the date until 28th for the lesson and then we'll have the exam that should be done um, last day by the September 1st. So if you want to register I will open the registration now uh, so go to uh, school.easymedicaldevice.com on the section course and then you will see the, the, the green belt certification course and you just have to register for it. The plus are limited as usual so I know that each time a lot of people are saying oh let me enter let me enter but really the plus are limited so please register Register now uh, because and don't wait uh, later because at the end there will be no place anymore and uh, I don't know when will be the next one because it depends really on, on the number of people that are uh, that are joining. Okay, so um, next point is about notified bodies. So uh, we are always looking at how many notified bodies we have and looking if there is a new one on the list. And finally, finally. Finally, France made it. <laughs> so yeah, I was I was really talking about that a lot of time and saying that uh, I'm waiting for GMED from France to uh, be on the list, and now they are. So really, congratulations to GMED. Um, I think I mean I think it's for the for the all the manufacturers it is the same, but I think that all the manufacturers that have a notified body that is in the in the state to to get UMDR uh, accredited, they are all if I can say. 
struggling or in stress. It's like they are looking at their daughter or their, their kids having a diploma and waiting that they are climbing inside on the stage to receive the diploma. And as soon as they receive it, they say, okay, I'm relieved now, I can move forward. So it's exactly the same here. So I think a lot of manufacturers, French manufacturers or manufacturers within GMED are now relieved because they know they can move forward with GMED for EUMDR, which is uh, an important thing. So for the list of um, notified bodies, so the numbers are nearly still the same because plus one doesn't mean anything. So we have our actually 15 notified bodies for EUMDR, but we can say 14 because uh, one is counted twice, which is BSI, BSI UK and BSI Netherlands. We know that after Brexit, BSI UK will be, uh, will be out. Uh, and then we have for EUMDR, four notified bodies, uh, for EUIVDR, sorry, four notified bodies uh, that can uh, issue a certificate for that. And as I've said before, don't wait until May 2022 or a bit before to uh, start your assessment or your uh, transition to EUIVDR. Because with four not or three notified bodies, uh, they will not do a lot, if I can say so. Uh, there is so many manufacturers and that needs now a certificate when before it was less. So then, please, uh, to avoid any catastrophe within your company, start now to transition to EU IVDR. Okay, so... Um, in terms of standards and guidances, so what are the changes here? So we have a new uh, standard, so the ISO TR2416 version 2020 that was issued. So it's a medical device standard related to post-market uh, surveillance for medical devices. This standard can help you to uh, build your post-marketing surveillance system. One of the change that is on the post-marketing surveillance system is the fact that you should now be proactive, so you should not wait for information to come to you. So I imagine I remember that we are saying, okay, let's wait that a complaint arrive or let's wait that somebody contacts us for this or let's wait that something is published for that so that we can know what's happening on the market with our product. Now you should be proactive. You should go and prove also to a notified body that you are going and looking for some information. And this standard can help you because it provides some uh, information about what can be some proactive actions that you can do, some systematic action that you can do. Uh, so I really recommend you to go and, and look at that because um, yeah, if you don't, if you fail within the post-marketing surveillance system, you can also fail for all the, the CE certificate within EUMDR. So uh, it would be a pity after all those months and weeks of work. So it's uh, it's something that can be uh, really damageable for you, for your company. Then a surprise arrived also within some guidances. So we have the MDCG 2020-13, which is the Clinical Evaluation Assessment Report template. What it is. So this is a document that is telling you exactly and it's showing you exactly what a notified body will look at when it will review your clinical evaluation report. This is a 31 pages document. So it's a huge document and I'm not sure how long it will take for a notified body to review your CER, but with 31 pages of document on questions and things to look at, etc. I suppose it will be a lot of time. So, um, but you can also do this exercise. What I advise you is just to maybe hire a, a third-party consultant or having somebody on your company to do a mock audit. So he takes this table and he is going to uh, look at what 
the clinical department or your regulatory affairs department has done with the clinical evaluation report. Check if all the elements are there. For example, there is a question or there is an information saying uh, to look at the CVs of the author of the CR. And some of the elements here says that uh, you have to review that uh, this person has some research method what does it mean? I don't know. Uh, some information management method or information management, it says, um, device technology diagnosis and management of condition to be treated. So there is a lot of things that you, I mean, a lot of boxes that you should tick. So please look at that. Look if there is some gaps that you have to fill or some justification that you can provide for uh, some gaps on your CER. But I mean, you have no more excuses. So uh, it's something that you need to master now because you have clearly the checklist that the notified body will be looking at and if you already know that something is wrong don't be surprised when the notified body will tell you it is wrong because uh, you had already the the cheat sheet for for that so it's not like it's not like uh, they caught you by surprise okay so the last one is about the mdcg 2019-6 uh, uh, version 2 uh, which is the question and answer regarding the requirements related to notified bodies. So um, I noticed that um, we had this uh, element that is called pre-certification services. So there was a question called may conformity assessment bodies pre uh, provide pre-certification services. And it was highlighted by uh, Basil Acroy in a post in LinkedIn and where he was saying that uh, a lot of manufacturers are not really talking a lot with a lot of sorry a lot of notified bodies are not talking a lot with manufacturers because they are afraid that their talking will be considered as a consulting or consultancy so um, now here it's clear that as soon as your um, not your manufacturer um, made an application with you then there can be some pre-certification uh, services that can be done uh, so pre-certification services can be the review of clinical data the assessment of the quality management system uh, the gap analysis uh, check of the mdr or ivdr readiness uh, use of mock-up files instead of your uh, final uh, the real technical the, um, documentation assessment so this is things that notified bodies can do for you but as soon as you are um, making an application with them and the surprise is also that if you want to withdraw your application there is something that they also can do so look at this clip our pre-certification results show that you clinical data are not quite good so for now we cannot move forward what are you talking about my clinical data is top class nope this isn't at all okay this is your opinion so you should redo the clinical trials this will cost me a fortune same if your product is not on the market quickly no I will have to close my company. So redo the test and we'll be able to retalk quickly again, no? You aren't not interested? What if I go to another notified bodies? Nope, you should not do that. And if I want to do it? This contract says that if you do it, I will have to inform all notified bodies about our pre-certification assessment and you are then stuck again. I hope we have a deal. 
I'm stuck with you then. You are free to go, but stuck anyway. Whatever. Okay, I hope you liked the video and um, don't forget also that uh, Notified Bodies can provide a general training to your company. Uh, oh no, not to your company, general training to companies, but not specifically to a certain uh, company uh, because then it can be also considered as maybe consultancy. So if they provide general training about general regulation to, uh, to uh, companies, then it is also something that they can, they can be doing there. Okay, the next topic is about what happened at Easy Medical Device and uh, we had a few episodes uh, that were uh, airing with uh, different topics. So the first episode is episode 84 where we talked about um, the PRRC role within the medical device organization and we had the Team PRRC which is a non-profit organization uh, association that is uh, helping a PRRC on their job so by training or by providing some support. So uh, if you are interested you can go to the episode 84 where you can get all the information about the team PRRC. Then you have episode 85 where we had uh, Adnan Ashfaq who, is, who helped us to understand more about the IEC 62304 which is a standard specifically done for uh, software medical devices. So uh, this is helping you to understand the different structure of the software, what you should consider to that. So, And Adnan is also providing some, some documents that you can download where there is a checklist uh, for uh, compliance of your device to uh, this standard or to other standards also. So don't hesitate to go to the show notes on episode 85 to, to get that. And lastly, we had uh, Sylvia Reingart from uh, GS1. So GS1 is an entity that is um, issuing the, uh, the UDI code for companies. There are four entities like that. So GS1 is one of them. And Sylvia Reingart uh, in episode 86 was helping us to understand more about the UDI code. So what is the UDI code? What is also the basic UDI DI? And she provided also on the show notes a lot of links uh, to help you to have a better understanding of the UDI code. So don't hesitate to go, go there. And lastly, on the uh, LinkedIn Live, we had um, Stefan Bolleininger who celebrated his 100, 100 days of audit. Uh, so he helped us to understand what happened during those audits, what were the most common non-conformities that he, he received, what were the issues or the, the good things that happened there. So it was really a great uh, episode that will help anybody that is going through this process to understand what is what can be the, the pitfalls or what can be the good things that can happen to, to that. So uh, I hope yeah, you will go and, and look at, uh, at all this uh, specifically. Okay, so um, I hope you like this episode. So um, don't hesitate to go to the uh, comments if you have any comment on it. If you liked it also, just say I love it. Uh, and uh, don't forget also to provide a review on the channel or on the uh, on the um, on the service provider that you are using for for listening to to this episode it's really helping me a lot to share uh, this with all the people that are really needing information on medical devices and don't forget if you want to register for the green Bell certification board program so this is now so don't hesitate to go to school.easymedicaldevice.com okay so thank you for your help thank you for your support thank you for all your messages and i wish you a nice day Thanks for listening. So if you like this episode, please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it. And also don't forget to share it with your colleagues. Thank you very much.